0: A happy ending for a hiker from Seattle this evening who got lost in the Hollyburn area of Cypress Bowl. Doug Pope with North Shore Rescue says a man called for help around 5 this evening after spending several hours wandering in the bush.
1: He didn't have a map and he was using his phone for uh, navigation which isn't really recommended because he was only using Google Maps and obviously it doesn't show the terrain so not well prepared that way and when he got off trail he was quite lost.
0: Pope says two teams located him at the top of a steep cliff and are walking him out uninjured. He says despite the warm weather, there's still plenty of snow on the hills and is warning hikers to use extra caution. As Whistler prepares for a busy summer following a record-breaking winter season, some are nervous about what that means. Tiffany Akins with Vancouver Coastal Health says Whistler saw 58% of BC's worst mountain biking accidents last year.
2: We see mountain bike riders in our emergency rooms every day during the season.
0: She says bikers need to slow down before it's too late.
2: Last season, 100 mountain bikers needed major emergency surgery.
0: Akins explains speed can increase the chances of being hospitalized by almost three times. She recommends riders take a skills course before going down the mountain. Police are investigating after a body was found in North Vancouver shortly after 9 this morning. Sergeant Doug Trousdale with North Vancouver RCMP confirmed a body was found but declined to, pro- to provide any details. In a tweet, had say they're investigating a suspicious death near Lynn Canyon. They had it still early in the investigation and no other details have been released. The Minister of Children and Family Development is asking the government to shut down the controversial tent city in Victoria as soon as possible. CKNW's Stephanie Duran has more.
3: Children's Minister Stephanie Cadu says the camp at the front lawn of Victoria's courthouse must close because it poses substantial risk to children and youth. She first sent a letter to the Minister of Citizen Services back in January urging him to pursue a court injunction to close the camp. Cadu hopes the place will be closed as soon as possible because of the danger it represents.
0: It's not a safe place for you. It continues to not be a safe place for youth, and in fact, we believe it to be getting more dangerous. She says
3: they have social workers on the ground every day to connect with youth and explain the resources that are available to them. In her letter, Caduce said staff found as many as 10 children and youth either living or frequenting the camp. Estefania Duran, Newstalk 980, CKNW, Vancouver.
0: In U.S. politics, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders both campaigned today, a week ahead of several state primaries. Wendy Gillette reports. Bernie Sanders appeared Sunday morning on Face the Nation, where he discussed a proposed debate with Trump. Trump first said he wanted to debate Sanders, then decided against it.
4: And I think the American people should be very concerned about somebody who keeps changing his mind not only on this debate, but on virtually every issue he's been asked about.
0: Trump's spokeswoman defended his change of heart. Now that he has
2: secured enough delegates to be the Republican nominee, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Mr. Trump should be now debating the Democrat nominee.
0: Sanders held events in California Sunday and has more scheduled there Monday. Wendy Gillette for CBS News. In Houston, police say a customer at an auto detailing shop was killed today when a man walked in and began shooting. The gunman was later killed by a SWAT officer. Marley Hall has more.
2: This driver miraculously
0: escaped with his life. The dude looked and seen me across the street and shot at me. Police blocked off streets and warned residents in the neighborhood to stay inside. We went house to house to ensure that nobody else was shot and nobody else was wounded. One suspect was killed during the gun battle with a SWAT officer. A second suspect was critically injured. It's unclear if he was connected to the rampage. Police recovered a high-powered assault
2: rifle and a pistol.
0: Back in B.C., Minister of Agriculture Norm Letnick has declared May 29th B.C.'s official Honeybee Bee Day. He says the day serves to remind people bees play a major role in the province's agricultural system. We want to, as the ministry and as the government, continue to grow the security of our own food supply. And uh, to do that, we have to continue pollination. He says some might not be aware pollination helps the multi-million dollar industry. We have about $470 million worth of our agri that rely on pollination, whether
3: it's uh, open crops or in greenhouses.
0: Latinx says people can help by planting flowers that blossom at different times of the year, not just in the summer. CKNW Newstime 804 another latest AM730 traffic. Good evening currently stalling accident-free along the major routes around Metro Vancouver. Watch your speed out in Abbotsford, Highway 11 southbound before Highway 1. They've got radar set up there. Patelu Bridge is closed until tomorrow morning at 5am. Use the Portman Bridge or the Alex Fraser as an alternate route. In Port Coquitlam filming continues. Elgin closed between Shaughnessy and Maryhill Road until 10 o'clock. And in Vancouver those Roadwork along Canby, just north of King Ed, that has the southbound right lane closed until the end of the year. For the most up to date traffic information, go to AM 730. All traffic, all the time. I'm Caitlin Osansky. Now the sports and news talk 980 CKNW. in Major League Baseball the Red Sox beat the Blue Jays five to three the Twins beat the Mariners five to four the Yankees beat the Tampa Bay Rays two to one. Meanwhile in Major League Soccer New York City FC tied Orlando City two to two. Now the Global Skytracker weather tonight a few clouds fog overnight a low of ten degrees tomorrow mainly sunny that fog burning off in the morning a high of eighteen up to twenty two degrees further into the valley tomorrow night clear but the fog does come back a low of eleven in Lions Bay it's eleven degrees. And clear outside. CKNW Pacific Center. It's 15 degrees. CKNW News Time coming up on 8:06. I'm John Hall.
3: Do you want to know why I ate a cinnamon bun, fish and chips, and Coca-Cola today? Why I decided to live on the edge? Well, stay with me and you'll find out here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. What a gorgeous day, huh? I did also take a hike into the woods, down to the ocean, breathed in the salt air and uh, just felt a little bit better about life. How are you? Thanks for joining me. It is always my pleasure to come to you every Sunday night on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. And I want to thank everybody who came yesterday, came out yesterday to the TEDx Stanley Park event, which was held at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And uh, I finally delivered my speech that I had actually been working on for a full year. Somebody asked me if I had done any prep. (laughs) he felt it rolled off my tongue. Had I done any prep? Is he kidding? I had about a hundred drafts just to try and, I mean, I've been in this field and seeing patients in the area of sexual health for about 13 years. Um, At times I have a five or six month wait list for people who have sexual dysfunction uh, for them to come and see me in my clinical practice. And so it was not easy to pare it down to uh, some of the stories that I shared about my patients. Don't worry, I changed your names to protect your innocence, and in some cases your guilt. But um, it was, uh, I'm so glad that it's over and it was a, a great day. There were some inspirational talks. Uh, by the way, I'm Maureen McGrath. I am a registered nurse. I am a sexual health clinician. I am a blogger, researcher, and I do a lot of Sex education, which is was really the basis of my talk um, yesterday. We need to change that. And I think that has every bit to do with sexless marriages. I was really touched by how many people came up to me afterward. And if you're a new listener, welcome, because a lot of you said, I'm going to listen to your show. I'm going to tune in. Uh, I was really touched by how gracious everybody was coming up to me afterward and telling me that my, my talk was called The Sexless Marriage, Lust, Trust, and Technology, And, um, so many people came up to me and said, thank you for your talk because I'm in a sexless marriage. I had one young guy who was like 30 years old and he said, you know, I was in a sexless relationship. I wasn't married, but I was comparing myself to all these married people who weren't having sex and I wasn't having sex either. And you described every emotion that I was feeling when I was in that relationship. There's so much that's related to sexless marriages. About 20% of people meet the criteria for a sexless marriage, which is Uh, having sex less than 10 times a year, which is pretty low. But um, so many people came up and they said, of course, uh, sexual abuse plays a huge role in it. People who have been sexually abused as children uh, believe that sex or feel that sex is dirty. They don't enjoy sex. It it brings back a lot of uh, horrific memories. Um, Of course, uh, sex is, is meant to be about pleasure and love. And uh, So, so many people came up to me and said I I was abused as a child. I mean, it was um, uh, heart-wrenching, really. And thank you for bringing that out and bringing that up because nobody ever discusses that and the impact that has on relationships. Uh, So, uh, thank you so much. And I was touched so much so by all of your kind words and your grace and everything else that I have a touch we vibe by we vibe to give out tonight I love to share and to give and so uh, we're going to open the lines a little bit later and give that uh, little sex toy out don't forget to put the kids to bed listener discretion is advised this show is about sex. God forbid we actually ever tell anybody what it's really supposed to be like. It's supposed to be pleasurable for both or all in that case. There was a stalker guy I had yesterday who just kept coming up to me saying, what about threesomes and foursomes? I said, that's another TEDx talk. That's for somebody else. But I will talk about that on the air tomorrow night. So if my little stalker guy is listening, <laughs> uh, I didn't forget you. But um I have some other subjects we're going to talk about tonight. Well, so I decided to my reward myself. And, you know, I usually stick with a pretty clean diet. And uh, so that's why I ate the cinnamon bun. I was only going to have a bite, and then I had the entire thing. And the the fish and chips, I didn't have the chips. And then the Coca-Cola, I just thought, really, lived dangerously there. I took a bath, took a hike. I mean, it was just a day where I just decompressed. That's how I do it anyway. And then, of course, you know what else I did. But anyhow, <laughs> and I hope you did too. So tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, as I mentioned, threesomes and foursomes. Now, I was supposed to have uh, the second hour of the show relate to, relate to um, relationships. And we're, we are still going to cover some of that. But I had a very special guest. But, you know, I'm a flexible kind of girl. And uh, my my guest, my special guest could not come tonight. So... In honor of him, he's going to come next week, but in honor of him, I'm going to be talking about delayed ejaculation for you. So uh, also five bizarre things that happen to your body when you get more exercise. And I've noticed these things because as you know, I've been getting more exercise. I have a virtual trainer, Sean Seal, who is in the studio with me tonight. So we'll be talking to him about that. And I'm going to be answering some of your emails uh, that you have sent to me over the last little while about the issues that you are having in your relationship. But, you know, yesterday I have to say I was entirely inspired by some of the talks that were just brilliant and amazing. And one of them was performed by my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Gurdit Parhar. He is amazing. I mean, the work he does is incredible. He's got a great sense of humor. And he also delivered the most compelling talk about how he was bullied as a child. And uh, it was incredible that two of the talks uh, uh, were around bullying another woman, Isabel Mercer Turcott. Uh, talked about how she had been bullied as a child. And it's just amazing how, you know, 30 years later, this can still impact a person's life. As you know, I was bullied in the workplace. And... uh Probably the worst thing that ever happened to me, but, um, you know, I processed it, dealt with it. Uh, people are surprised that I have been um, bullied. And, you know, you never want this kind of thing to happen to anybody else, but it gave me some comfort. And I, and I see this in my clinical practice when people will say, you know, am I normal? Have you ever seen this before? And just seeing my friend, Dr. Gurdip Parhar, up there talking about the story for the very first time. He had never told it before. His family was in the audience and none of them knew and it was the very first time he talked about uh how these when he was in uh, it was just a child in grade school how these bullies came in and um and uh it changed his life and it, he still has nightmares about it it can be very traumatizing but you know what we can all heal and i and i really feel that i i healed tremendously and and someday i'm going to tell you the other part of that story but uh i have to get a little bit uh Uh, More courage in order to share that with you, but um, anyway, bear with me, and uh, I want to say thank you to Sabrina Ali, who's going to be working the board tonight. Hello, Sabrina.
4: Hi, Maureen. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. A little tired, but good.
3: Are you? How come you're tired?
4: I'm not used to these shifts. I'm used to the overnights.
3: Oh, so when we have you up in the daytime and the sun is shining, you're tired. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, are you going to be able to answer the calls for the callers who call in to win the Touch by WeVibe, a silky smooth, soft, sensual vibrator?
1: I will
4: try. <laughs> I will try.
3: Okay. Well, the number to call is going to be sick. When we come back, we'll open the lines. But uh, actually, we won't open the lines. because so we have a little uh, conversation. I was going to talk to you about perfectionism. And, you know, sometimes you, you think you have pulled it off. You think you've done a great job on something. You think you feel great about something and, and, and you're elated and you're excited. You're euphoric and everything is going along well. And then one person says one thing and you're like, Oh my gosh, I should have done this. I should have said that. Why? And they, you know, people can, the power of the word from, from somebody else, from somebody you don't even have respect of or for, and you're, you just take that to heart and it can ruin somebody's day. And, you know, that's the perfectionist in us. We And it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it can certainly impact your life. It can impact your quality of your relationships, and it it can impact the voices in your head, and it can change things. You know, you can get 99.9% affirmation and approval and, you know, well done from people, and then one person can say something. But don't give power to those people, I say. But there's other ways that we manifest this perfectionism. And one of the most common ones is what I call the dishwasher redo. Uh, and, and Elizabeth Lombardo mentions that in her book. And when I come back, I, you're going to hear an interview that I did with Elizabeth Lombardo. She is the author of a fabulous book called Better Than Perfect, Seven Strategies to Crush Your Inner Critic. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. It's to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on CKNW. It's Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse. We talk about sex and we talk about things related to sex. And tonight we're going to talk about perfectionism. Now, most people would consider having high standards a good thing and striving for excellence can demonstrate that you have a good work ethic and strength of character but it also can push you to reach your peak level of performance. But you may not realize that perfectionism involves a tendency to set standards that are so high they can either never be met or are only met with great difficulty. And perfectionists tend to believe that anything short of perfection is horrible and that even minor imperfections may lead to catastrophe. This is why I am so excited to have Elizabeth Lombardo, author of the book, Better than perfect, seven strategies to crush your inner critic and create a life you love. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I love your book. It's fantastic. I work with a lot of perfectionists, and I realize I probably am a bit of a perfectionist in several ways. <laughs> um, so thank you so much. With this perfectionism, I mean, we can have a tendency to honor perfectionists be envious of them, but it can actually be quite a difficult life for people. And you demonstrate that quite well in your book.
2: Yeah, so perfectionism is more than just having a neat junk drawer. Perfectionism is an all-or-nothing mentality. It's either all or nothing. It's either perfect or it's a failure. I'm either perfect or I'm a failure. And when we get into this dichotomous all-or-nothing thinking, it sets us up for a lot of disappointment. Now, when we talk about being better than perfect, some people say, well, does that mean I shouldn't strive for excellence? No, we're saying go for the A-plus still. But if and when you don't achieve it every single time, instead of interpreting that to mean I'm a failure, use it as what I say data. It's not failure, it's data. Use it as a way to learn from so that you can grow from it.
3: And it could be – Quite challenging to be in a relationship with a perfectionist. Say you're not a perfectionist, but your partner is. That can pose a whole host of issues in the relationship, can it not?
2: Absolutely, because here's the thing: we all have a rule book. Perfectionists and non-perfectionists have a rule book of how people should act, what they should do. Now, um, some people have kind of a pamphlet, a perfectionist has a manifesto. And the thing about a rule book is everyone has a different rule book, and we don't realize that our rule book is different than our partner's rule book. So perfectionists have these beliefs, these rules of how people should act, and a lot of times they are not aware that it's just in their mind. It's not actually set in stone so that the whole world knows.
3: So one great example that you give, and I believe a lot of people can relate to, is the dishwasher challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Some people... Live with people who uh, ch- criticize the way somebody may put dishes in a dishwasher, particularly the knives and forks. Do they go up? Do they go down? They, don't, they won't even look at the directions as to what the dishwasher manufacturer suggests. They have the, their own guidelines, and that's the only way it should be in the perfectionist mind.
2: Exactly. and I can't tell you how many male clients I have had come in and say, you know, she complains that I never help around the kitchen, but when I do, she critiques what I do. And so I say, forget it. I'm not even going to do it anymore because I'm so tired of, of putting the cups in and having her rearrange them or the knives or, or the plates. Um, and so this perfectionism can really backfire because not only does it cause more stress in yourself, if you have this all or nothing mentality, perfect or failure mentality, but it causes a lot of stress on the people around you.
3: And, and perfectionism plays a role, as you say, in psychological wellness. So people who are perfectionists, they're constantly inside their heads, perhaps beating themselves up that they didn't do things to a standard. I'll, I'll give you an example this morning. I gave a talk uh, earlier this morning, and I thought, did I get the time wrong? What if I'm supposed to be there now? Oh, my goodness. What if? But I went straight ahead, and I thought, you know what? If I got the time wrong, I'm human. I've made a mistake, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't get the time wrong in the end. But I could have gotten, only because I read your book.
2: Because <laughs> you knew you were better than perfect. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> Hardly, but it's, but it's a great way, it's a great mantra. But there's also this worrying, worrisome impact can really impact physical health health. And so people start to wear down after years and years of perfectionism.
2: Because it's so stressful. And here's the thing. Ostensibly, um, perfectionism is a desire to be perfect, to be good. But really, the underlying motivation is an intense fear. Perfectionists are scared to death of being a failure. And it is that fear that That motivates them. It's that fear that perpetuates the worry and the what-if. It's the fear that replays that those little mistakes or even the big mistakes over and over and over again. And that causes all kinds of psychological stress, which can lead to things like depression and eating disorders and substance abuse and anxiety disorders. It also leads to stress in our bodies. So it can cause things like um, chronic pain. I, my background is I'm a physical therapist and now a psychologist. When I first had my practice, probably the first 10 years, I worked with people with chronic pain. And there's really a pre-morbid personality of a perfectionist who wants everything to be perfect around them. And they don't take time to just <sighs> de-stress and take time for themselves.
3: Exactly. And so being a perfectionist can actually affect your Ability to succeed in life. Can it not?
2: Ironically, yes. It actually holds you back. So think of the entrepreneur who doesn't want to put their website out because it's just not perfect. And so waits two years to have a website to even start having a business. Um, certainly we, we see this in, um, in the corporate world. So if anyone out there has ever worked with a micromanager, a micromanager is actually oftentimes a perfectionist. They want to make sure everything is perfect for their own work and everyone ab- below them. And so they're going to micromanage everything, again, for that fear of, of, of failure. But what happens then if you have ever worked with a micromanager is yes. your own productivity and your own creativity diminishes.
3: Absolutely. And many perfectionists have difficulty completing tasks because mm-hmm. and I can relate to this because, I, as I said, I've just recently written a book and the designer, the, 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 the designer of the cover said to me, I, I just kept rereading it and reviewing it and, and catching mistakes and correcting the grammar. And she said, you have to put the baby to bed at some point. You have to stop or you'll never get this book out and the light. Because
2: done is better than perfect.
3: That's right. Yeah,
2: because otherwise you wouldn't get out there. It took me over two years to write my first book called A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Happiness. Over two years because I didn't even want to give it to an editor yet because it wasn't perfect enough for the editor to read it.
3: Well, I had two editors and I actually don't want anybody else to read my book at all. And people are saying to me, where do I get it? And I'm thinking, well, I didn't actually want anyone to read it, you know. (laughs) And I better check it again after it's printed. So as you don't necessarily have to be perfectionistic in every single way i'm the type that just toss all the dishes in the dishwasher i believe that the water just flows around and we'll get them all um, but there are certain aspects that, that it, this perfectionism can impact your life like your home or office require a, it to be tidy all the time have a perfectly uh clean and tidy environment wherever you go
2: yeah and again some perfectionists have completely messy areas um, so you're absolutely right. It, it is very um, category-specific for some people. So you, you want to look at why you're having these perfectionistic tendencies. What is the motivation, and what do you really want to achieve? So we're talking about success in the workplace. If you truly want to be successful, you have you want to maintain that strive for excellence, but you also want to take off the proverbial boxing gloves, and when you make a mistake – you know, stop beating yourself up so much.
3: And so what are some of the root uh, causes of this fear that people have, that this overwhelming desire to be perfect?
2: You know, it, as we grow up, a lot of times we hear it's important to get straight A's and your father or your mother will applaud you because you got an A. Great. And then we start associating perfection with I'm good. Or if you mess up, uh, maybe you didn't play so well in a game and your, your parent or your coach kind of yells at you, you start to... Sp- to to formulate this belief or this rule that I have to be perfect in order for people not to be upset with me, and so we start to internalize that. And of course, our society simply perpetuates that. When we look at Facebook. That is that is the ultimate of of for some people really striving for perfectionism, right? You know, these are my perfect children. This is the perfect vacation. This is my perfect dining room table for a meal. <laughs>
3: Down you know, to the perfect very meal. Are people
2: just taking pictures. It's becoming more and more prevalent where people are just taking pictures of themselves, like just getting out of bed and looking like you just got out of bed. But there is that tendency to show off our best and then have other people say, oh, look at how perfect her life is. I should be better. I should be a better parent. I should be better at keeping my house clean.
3: Absolutely. We beat ourselves up over so many things. And and you see it with Olympic athletes, you know, they may win a silver medal or a bronze and they're crying up on the podium. They're upset that they didn't get the gold. Because they have that
2: people who who get a silver are actually more upset than people who win a bronze.
3: That is amazing. Yeah. We've yeah. done
2: some research on that. And it's because they're so close. And but what they didn't can get it? And so it goes to that all or nothing mentality.
3: Exactly. And that all or nothing mentality when we when we invoke that on other people or especially people we work with or we 're sleeping with or we 're in relationship with relationships with or are married to, that can cause a lot of conflict within a relationship
2: without a doubt i mean you can even take it into the bedroom so if if I only feel good about myself if I you know look perfect according to what my standards are that, of that are then i 'm not going to feel very sexual in the bedroom and so a lot of times this perfectionism can really prevent people from emotional intimacy as well as physical intimacy.
3: And I imagine it would prevent them from being vulnerable, which is, you know, you show your your full self to somebody. You give your full self to somebody and be fully relaxed and, and allow yourself to accept you and allow somebody else to accept you, which is so important. That vulnerability is so important in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom as well. Elizabeth, I would like you to hang on if you don't mind, because I would love to talk to you a little bit further about what perfectionists can do to change this all-or-nothing thinking and to make themselves feel better about themselves. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.
0: A Washington man lost in the North Shore Mountains has been rescued safe and sound by North Shore Rescue. He got lost on Cypress Mountain and was trying to use Google Maps to navigate. Search manager Doug Pope says hikers need to take care. Despite recent weather, there's still plenty of snow in the mountains. He says the snow may obscure trails and could lead to falls. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team are investigating after a body was found under a train bridge in North Vancouver's Lynn Canyon. North Vancouver RCMP Sergeant Doug Trousdale confirmed a body was found, but the case has since been turned over to IHIT. IHIT says they're early in the investigation and no other information is available. A wildfire that forced residents of the Peace Region to flee their homes is now about 90% contained. The Beaton Airport Road Fire has been burning about 45 kilometers north of Fort St. John since April 18th. It's now about 57 square kilometers, but cool weather and rain have helped crews contain the blaze recently. The BC Wildfire Service says drones were used to do infrared scanning of the burnt areas, and crews will use that detailed map that was produced to find and put out remaining hotspots next week. CKNW News, Time 831. Now the latest AM730 traffic on CKNW with Dave Cannon. Well,
2: good evening. We'll start off in North Vancouver with a brand new accident. Lonsdale, northbound, just north of the upper levels. Northbound traffic is completely blocked off. The Patella Bridge is closed until tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. for maintenance. You can use the Portman Bridge or the Alex Fraser as your alternative there. And in Port Coquillum, they're doing a little filming. Elgin closed between Shaughnessy and Maryhill Road until 10 o'clock tonight. For the most up-to-date traffic, go to AM730, all traffic, all the time. I'm Dave Cannon.
0: Now, the Global Sky Tracker weather on CKNW. Tonight, a few clouds, a fog rolling in tonight, a low of 10 degrees. Tomorrow morning, mainly sunny, fog burning off, a high of 18, up to 22 degrees further into the valley. Later tomorrow night, though, clear, the fog coming back in, a low of 11. Tuesday, sunny with a high of 21, up to 26 degrees further inland. Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, also with a high of 21 and 25 in the valley. Thursday, cloudy with a chance of showers, a high of 21. In White Rock, it's 15 degrees and clear, and outside CKNW Pacific, Center. It's 15 degrees. CKNW News Time, 832. I'm John Hall.
3: Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse. I am talking with Elizabeth Lombardo. She's on the line and we're talking about her book, Better Than Perfect, Seven Strategies to Crush Your Inner Critic and Create a Life You Love. This is about perfectionism. Uh, Elizabeth, are perfectionists narcissists? They, they tend to lack a bit of empathy, uh, which is a key component of narcissism, but do they tend to be narcissists?
2: so they they lack empathy only in the sense that they're so consumed with judging themselves a true narcissist doesn't care about anyone else a profession is often Um, cares almost too much about other people's reactions and how they're going to view them and how they're going to celebrate when they do well or how they react when they fail. Um, And a narcissist doesn't do that. A narcissist just moves on on to their own world and what's going on within themselves.
3: Absolutely. Now, what's the difference between perfectionism and obsessive-compulsive disorder, which tends to be associated a bit with being perfect and making sure everything is in line and in order?
2: So if we pull out the DSM, which is kind of the Bible of psychiatrists and psychologists, OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder is about having obsessions where you have thoughts that you can't get rid of and then compulsions, which are specific actions that will help reduce the fear that's going on in your mind. So someone who thinks, oh, did I turn off the oven? I don't know if I turned off the oven. That's the obsession. The compulsion is going to check it. They check it once, they go into the other room, and then they go back to that obsession, and they have to go back and checking. Perfectionism is really just this all or nothing mentality. Um, it's either perfect or it's a failure. <laughs> and if it's a failure, then I'm a failure. And so it's really striving to prevent feeling like a failure
3: and it doesn't matter if ninety nine percent of the time people say you're amazing, and then one percent of the time they say you forgot to lock the door and our <laughs> our office got robbed or something, <laughs> and you might feel overwhelmingly guilty and like a horrible person. Is that that perfectionism?
2: Absolutely. And perfectionism, we all have a tendency to what we call negative filter, Focus almost exclusively on the negatives and discount the positives. Uh, Perfectionist is very good at this. So exactly, ninety-nine times does a great job, and then that one time messes up. That's what she or he is going to continue to ruminate on, um, concentrate on, replay. I call it pressing on a bruise, where you, where you over and over, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that.
3: Exactly. And so, what can perfectionists do to change this and to make their lives happier and quell that inner critic?
2: So the first thing to do is to realize that even though some parts of perfectionism may be helping you, it, it's important to release the perfectionism. So I like to think of perfectionism like a chocolate cake. <laughs> Bear with me here. So think of a chocolate cake and you're making this beautiful chocolate cake and you have all the finest ingredients. You have you know, cage-free eggs from, from hens who have been massaged daily and you have Swiss chocolate and beautiful ingredients and you mix it all up and you can, just, you can almost smell it, it's so beautiful. And then you take a cup of dirt, you put it in the batter, you mix it up, and you make that cake. Would you ever eat that cake? And hopefully most people would say, heck, no. That's what perfectionism is. It has great characteristics and qualities and ingredients, like striving for excellence, like wanting to make a positive difference in the world. But it also has the dirt, which is that inner critic that takes over. And so the goal is to say, instead of being perfect, what I want to do is be better than perfect. I want to take the good stuff and get rid of the bad stuff.
3: Okay, so that's a great analogy. And so uh, how long does it take for somebody to overcome? And do the people in somebody's life play a role in in giving insight or providing feedback to the person and saying, you know, your perfectionism is rearing its ugly head again and it's impacting our our sex life?
2: So... What what we find a lot is, uh, any, first of all, anyone can change. A lot of times I'll have people in their 60s, 70s, even 80s. I even had clients in their 90s who said I've always thought like this. It doesn't matter. You're just rewiring your brain. And just like you can rewire you know, a, a computer, you can always rewire your brain. So it's, it's never too old is, to change. We're very good at making changes when our stress is low. When stress levels increase we tend to go back to old ways people who have quit smoking for years if their stress levels really high for a while they might go back to smoking same thing with our thinking so one of the keys as you're going through the process of being better than perfect is to really pay attention to your stress level
3: that's a great that's a actually great advice i had never looked at it that way so elizabeth where can people buy your book
2: they can buy the book at any um, online bookstore amazon but um barnes and noble they can also take a quiz fantastic you're so <laughs> thinking hmm i don't think i'm a perfectionist take the quiz betterthanperfect.co betterthanperfect.co um or betterthanperfectquiz.com and it's it's free online and you can take that quiz when i was on the today show promoting this book um we had about seven producers who took the quiz Four of them insisted they are absolutely not a perfectionist, and they scored high because their definition of perfectionism perfectionism was different than what we're talking about here.
3: Exactly. Well, that's great. So, Elizabeth Lombardo, thank you so much. Author of the book, Better Than Perfect, Seven Strategies to Crush Your Inner Critic and Create a Life You Love. And isn't that the kind of life that we want Mm -hmm. to lead, Uh, a life that's more peaceful, that we're at peace with ourselves? And we really, ultimately, Elizabeth, we accept ourselves for who we are. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It's a great book. I loved it. And uh, not that I'm a perfectionist, but I'm going to share it with some friends that I know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. Well, thank you so much.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me, Elizabeth. And I'd love to have you back on the program again, because I suspect there's a lot of listeners out there that may have this perfectionism. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I will always love that song. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. We talk about sex, health, and relationships here. Because, as I have seen in my clinical practice, absolutely everything is related to sex except for commercial leasing. That's really the only thing I can't tie to it. I actually met a commercial lease person yesterday and I said that to him. (laughs) Anyhow, if you can think of a way that commercial leasing is tied to sex, do call me. You could win a sex toy. (laughs) I am touched by all of you and so I do have the touch sex toy solo pleasure for you. Uh, It's by WeVibe. It's silky, it's smooth, it's soft, and it's a sensual vibrator. And the number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We have the lines open. You can call me. Uh, But you have to talk to me. That's the deal. You don't have to talk to me about your sex life, but you might want to tell me something about your relationship or something that... You know you feel is a great way to improve your sex life you want to share some information with people or don't be shy you can use another name if you like you don't have to use your own own name I never use anyone's real names you don't even have to say where you're from Uh, but you can give me a call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell it is important pleasure is important for women And this is a great sex toy to get you in touch with yourself. Because as I say, if you cannot touch yourself, who can you touch? (laughs) Uh, So I did promise you something last week, or maybe on Friday. By the way, I also did say on Friday that, uh, talk about perfectionism. For like seven months, I've been looking for the right royal blue dress. They told me I had to wear royal blue. Well, I bought about 12 royal blue dresses and then ended up wearing one from r w and co so thank you so much out in langley i pulled over into a strip mall cuz i was looking for a salad they said when i was at an event that uh, the lifestyle 60s plus expo thank you very much for asking me to speak about sex out there nobody there had had sex in the previous 24 years but that was okay <laughs> Uh, So they had sandwiches, and they were trying to feed me sandwiches and brownies, and they said, here, would you like some lunch? I said, no, I'm going to try and find a salad. And then someone said, good luck finding one in Langley. What's that about? Anyway, (laughs) I did, and I also found a dress. Thank you very much. And I wore that on the stage at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, and I uh, thank you for selling it to me (laughs) ahead of time, but I've been known to talk a dog off a meat wagon before. So, I uh, did promise you, I don't really like to overpromise and under-deliver, but uh, last week I did promise you that I was going to have a special co-host with me tonight for an hour in the second half of the show, but that person was unable to make it, but he will be here next week, and so I thought in honor of that person, because things have been delayed, I may talk to you about a subject that is related to things being delayed like delayed ejaculation. So I am going to um, talk to you about that in just one second. Oh because I have Valerie on the line. She wants to talk about sex and leasing. Hello Valerie.
4: Um, I work at receptionist in a commercial uh, commercial real estate office, and there was property management, there was the realtors renting, I mean, selling commercial space, and there was the leasing department in one corner of our (laughs) office, and it was predominantly younger guys than the older um, realtors that were selling commercial space, and there was even uh, one girl, and what I noticed as a receptionist these young guys, whenever they would walk to the photocopier or the, the postage me- meter, they would be eyeballing the secretaries. Um, oh. You could just see sex on the brain, and in fact, the, younger, the young girl was the only uh, le- uh, leasing realtor. She married one of the mature, older realist, uh, realtors in the office. So there's lots of sex going on there. <laughs> <laughs> you always saw the, the, the leasing department in the bars after work.
3: What was that? I didn't hear that last part.
4: The, the the guys that worked in the commercial leasing department they lingered longer, and the restaurants at lunchtime had beers. You know, would always stagger in a little late because they're meeting meeting girls. You know.
0: What's
3: oh, so um, so they're these are horny little guys, huh? Exactly. <laughs> in this industry, is that it was what you're like saying?
4: Hospital. What's that? It was like genital genital
3: hospital. Genital hospital. I love it. That is yeah. fantastic
4: behind their backs and it was just icing on the cake when the leasing the girl in the leasing department married an older realtor
3: that is yeah how long will that last no i'm just well, yeah. they can be so attractive at a certain age you know when maybe you're 25 and they're 40 and then Second. then all of a sudden they're 60 and you're 45 and things change
4: uh, well, maybe because he was a high, high one of the higher-selling realtors and was very rich.
3: Uh-huh. Well, there you go, high earner. I hate to say that, but yeah. I did say in, uh, in my TEDx talk yesterday that, um, you know, the richer or poorer thing, we better go for richer. Most women are working inside and outside of the home today. We're doing the lion's share of the housework because men claim they're not good at it. And we're bridging the gap between growing children and aging parents. So, you know, maybe going for the money isn't a bad thing. It worked for her. (laughs) It certainly did. Valerie, that's a great, uh, thank you so much for fulfilling me. And you did win the Touch sex toy.
4: Yay! Yeah. You know, from the receptionist point of view, you see a lot of stuff going on.
3: I bet you do.
4: Who Leaves with who and who comes and goes
3: with who yeah. exactly. You know, the other thing I wanted to say is I always say to guys when they ask me how much masturbation is too much masturbation, I'm like, Well, if you can go to work, you should be fine. And then I realize, Oh my gosh, they're probably all masturbating at work. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I thought you that's were going to so say.
4: I've, you know, I've never owned a sex toy, so I'm looking forward to this.
3: Fantastic, you'll like it. It's one of the best quality ones. <gasps> we vibe, anyway, that's fantastic. Thanks. All right, thanks for the call. Take care. And I have Shirley on the line. Hello, Shirley. Hello. How are you? Great. Oh, good. Now, yeah. I've got a little note here that says uh, sex is better 34 years later. Do we have to wait that long, Shirley? <laughs>
1: no, but it does, it can get better and better. And the link with that was I wanted to find out if you have any ideas about how to get your friends to realize that going out shopping for sex toys was okay. Like the last girl just said that was her first one. Like, good grief.
3: I know. Well, um, you know, they don't have to go out and shop and a lot of people are embarrassed. Sex is shrouded in shame. Society has done that. And, you know, the most pleasurable thing on the planet, sex, is a big embarrassment and a big shame for a lot of people. So fortunately, there's online uh, sales and people can go online and look at a number of stores. I actually have a store online. The, there's only one sex toy I would recommend anybody to buy, though, <laughs> the Womanizer. Of course, it's a clitoral suckling device, <laughs> the best one ever. Um, but yeah, they can go online and they can begin there, and then they can graduate and go into sex toy stores.
1: Exactly. And and and,
3: and I mean, not yeah. worry about what other people think.
1: True enough. Yeah. But there's also those parties. I've seen parties.
3: There are parties. And, uh, yes, I'm apparently giving away a passion party at an event that's coming up. I don't think I can say anything just yet. But, uh, <laughs> yes, they. Uh, I've been talked into doing that. Of course, ru- bend my rubber elbow. No problem. <laughs> anyway. Sounds
1: good. Well, we love your show. My husband and I always like to listen.
3: Aw, thank you so much, Shirley. Great to hear from you. Okay, well, that's great. A couple of the ladies calling in about sex, saying how great it is. Um, When I come back, I'm going to talk about delayed ejaculation and then let you know what is coming up after 9 o'clock. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. In time, and time, and time, touching you. So warm and tender. Welcome back. It's Maureen McGrath with one of her favorite songs. That's an oldie but goodie. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, and I have Bertha on the line. Hello, Bertha.
1: Oh, hey. Hey, Uh, doctor, you have to help me out. I've been uh, telling my roommate about uh, the programming on NW, and I mentioned your show. And my roommate said, "Oh, you remember that Dr. Ruth? She's kind of short and..." A little stubby, red hair, and had an accent. We can't, for the life of us, remember her last name. You've got to know it, please help me.
3: I do know it. I do oh, know. No. Oh, it's God. Dr. Ruth Westheimer. W e s t h e i m e r.
1: Oh, we were so close. I was doing Knockwurst and <laughs> Bratwurst, and oh, I knew there was a W or an S in there. Oh, thank you.
3: Do you like her better than me?
1: <laughs> no. Hey, She's still around.
3: She is still around, and she has been made famous by the statement, which I wish I had said it, but I don't have the same accent. Just suck on your clitoris. <laughs> oh. Have him suck on your clitoris. Yes. You're hitting your redial button, Bertha. She
1: made a lot of people turn on
3: that. She made a lot of tur- people what? Turn in the face
1: with. What she was just being honest
3: about. Absolutely, that's right. It's a it's a subject that a lot of people are uncomfortable about. You know, I don't really like to give away women's ages, but she was actually born in the early part of the night of the twentieth century. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, she is like she's amazing. She has done, uh, she's uh, tremendous. Uh, tr- just has done so much in the world of sex therapy, and she's a great media personality and an author. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's we The rest of us pale by comparison yeah. She's just well, incredible
1: She must have talked to a lot of people uh, Or went, got around And learned on her own I don't know
3: Well apparently she had her first sexual intercourse On a starry night at the age of 17 In a haystack without contraception that's, oh. I don't know if that's an urban myth But uh, yeah
1: Well that's uh, 17 is kind of late back in that day Those days
3: uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah. yeah. But uh, okay, Westheimer. A Westheimer, Dr. Ruth Westheimer, powerful woman who stood no taller than four feet seven inches tall.
1: Yeah, she was short. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She was, she was a pleasure. She had a sense of humor, and she just told it like it was.
3: Fantastic! Yes. Well,
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I was so tired of going through the alphabet and trying to figure out what her last name was.
3: You are so welcome, not at all. Have a great night. Thanks for the call. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to be uh, wrapping it up here, going to break. I'm just going to tell you what's coming up in the next hour of the show. I'm not sure if you know this, but I've been uh, doing some personal training by uh virtual reality, (laughs) virtually and in person as well. And Sean Seal has been helping me with that. And there are five bizarre things that will happen to your body that have happened to mine when you start to exercise. So I'm going to be talking about that. And I am, I know I'm delaying this, but I'm going to get to that delayed ejaculation and your emails. When I come back, I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.